We have to go back. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Flashback Flicks podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are going to be reviewing the sci-fi epic Galaxy Quest. Yeah, all the way back from 1999. The distant future. Seems like just yesterday. Back (laughs) in a time when we were worried about Y2K. Willidium, his album was at an all-time high. It was a great Mm. year. Uh, The Matrix had just come out. Uh, Gladiator was also big, but... We like to focus on Galaxy Quest. We really think that that was the standout movie of 99 that was consistently snubbed. Oh. I actually yeah. – I would say in 99, Galaxy Quest affected my life way more than The Matrix or uh, Gladiator or any of those other big-budget box office hits. How so? Uh, Galaxy Quest was – well, because at that age, it was super accessible to me, but it still had action and was funny and – um, and I knew Tim Allen from Home Improvement, and uh, I also knew that he was the voice of Buzz Lightyear. So uh, I was like, "Oh yeah, Tim Allen, that's great." Oh, see, I, was I didn't, a, I didn't have that kind of knowledge or uh, awareness as a kid. Like, I didn't, I wasn't mm-hmm. aware of celebrity voices as a kid. I was like, "Oh, that's Buzz Lightyear." Like, oh, I didn't see Tim Allen in this movie at all. Like, I didn't make those <laughs> kinds of connections. <laughs> what a know. ripoff! <laughs> Apparently Tim Allen's in this movie. But yeah, Galaxy Quest was uh, a lot of fun. I was a big Star Wars fan as well. Uh, I would watch Star Trek Next Generation. And so I knew the things that it was parodying even as a kid, Um, which there are a lot of different levels of jokes within this movie. But uh, on the whole, you're able to really appreciate what it is kind of lampooning and – but it, it also stands on its own outside of just being a parody. It's just a fun story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cause this was, uh, my first time watching it, uh, ever. And, uh, my parents, I remember my parents had the VHS and I remember them enjoying it. I remember seeing the cover, uh, at home because they were really into, um, lost in space. That was their show. Oh yeah. Uh, they loved lost in space and they did watch star Trek, but not, as much as Lost in Space. Like, I remember when the Lost in Space movie came out, probably in 1999 or the year 2000. Oh, um, the Matt LeBlanc one. Matt LeBlanc was in that? Oh, yeah. Joey Tribbiani in space. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, no, the um, I guess it is that one. But when that came out, they were just like, oh, yeah, we love Lost in Space. And I remember they ordered the entire series on VHS. Because um, um, it was back when they said, hey, you can own the whole collection on VHS. And so they they ordered it and, and they loved it. And so I knew that Galaxy – I just – from my kid point of view, I just assumed Galaxy Quest was just another real thing. Um, and then after watching oh. it, I was like, oh, oh, this is great. Like this is – I get it. Like I, I got what they were doing just like right off the bat and, and I loved it. Um and it was, it was fun to watch. Uh, but before we get too much into review, let's give you guys some fun production history. Uh, the movie, as we said, did come out in uh, 1999. But the original script uh, by David Howard, um, it was originally uh, written as Captain Starshine. Uh, that was the title of it? That was the original title, 
Captain Starshine. Um, and the in the original script, the producer Mark Johnson um, didn't like it, but <laughs> yeah, because he he was fascinated with the idea of the of the concept. He he liked the concept of featuring um, aliens who misconstrued old episodes of a TV show. Like he liked that premise, um, so he bought the script, um, and then Bob Gordon rewrote it into Galaxy Quest. Um, hmm. Yeah, and Gordon is a Trekkie, um, but he thought that the uh, the premise and the idea could really be a really great idea. Because originally, uh, when it first came out, a lot of people who worked on Star Trek, they were worried that this was going to be making fun of fans. And to uh, give you some quotes, some actors, uh, Patrick Stewart, he said, Originally, I did not want to see Galaxy Quest because I heard that it was making fun of Star Trek. Um, and then Jonathan Franks rang me up and said, you must see this movie, see it on a Saturday night in a full theater. And I did. Mm-hmm. And of course I found it was brilliant. No one laughed louder or longer in the cinema than I did, but the idea that the ship was saved and all of our heroes in that movie were saved simply by the fact that they were fans who did understand the specific principles on which the show worked was absolutely wonderful. And it was both funny and also touching. And I paid tribute to the, dedication of these fans and Hmm. that's for patrick stewart um i just love that patrick stewart called it the cinema (laughs) yeah so classy so um the cinema you know cinema with my sweets and um (laughs) other english things (laughs) we all know what that sound means (laughs) it means ricky got a text Uh, yeah, and so um, the movie was received very well. Uh, the initial budget was uh, the estimated budget was forty five million. It made seventy one million gross. Sick. <laughs> the movie was uh, received very well. It also has a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. A lot of people love this movie, um, and I can see why. Like before, I, I get too much into the review of it. Like it's such a fun movie. Um, and we'll talk more about this later, but I want this movie, like I very rarely do I want a remake of a movie, um, Mm. like to exist like really, really badly. Like usually I'm just like, listen, let the original work be and speak for itself. But like this movie and the formula worked so well that it can easily happen with all these other franchises. Um, but yeah, the, uh, it was great. Uh, people loved it, and it it touched the lives of many, many people. So uh, that's and that's really like the heart of the film in itself as well. So yeah, the story is such a tight story; it actually flies by pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the premise is one that's super straightforward. Like a cast on a sci-fi show is basically abducted and has to actually perform the duties from their show on an actual spaceship. I'm like, yeah. great. Let's see that. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was, um, yeah, it was really, really great. I love the, uh, the tagline for this movie as well. The tagline for galaxy quest is the show has been canceled, but the adventure is just beginning. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I, I like that too. 
So going into um, the review of the movie, you know, we open up with the lost episode, uh, which is just mm-hmm. a perfect opening. We get to see what the show is like, and we also get, like, the premise for which uh, a lot of the information in space is based off of, like, the lost episode, because it kind of ended on a cliffhanger uh, mm-hmm. with, uh, what, Omega-13? Right, protocol. yeah, Omega-13. And, um, which and ends up we... being super important later in the story. So important. It's like the one of the major plot devices in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we open up to a sea of familiar faces. Uh, Monk. Monk is <laughs> in this movie. I did not know that Tony Shalhoub was going to be in the movie. Uh, Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. And then Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Sam Rockwell's in the movie, and a baby face Justin Long. Like, I'm just like... He's a child. Like, all my all my initial notes are just like, baby face Justin Long? Monk? Sam Rockwell? <laughs> like, so many people. Because, like, the, the posters and the deep, and the covers, it's just... It's, it's uh, Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, and Alan Rickman. I'm like, okay, so... And the, the two little alien babies. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, and then Daryl Mitchell, who um, I remember him. He played uh, – he was a character in Sister, Sister. Uh, he in, oh. when, in the college years um, of Sister, Sister, he played uh, one of the love interests of Tia or Tamara. Um, and I was like, oh, man. And then, uh, you know, Enrico – Colin Tolley. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, sir. Um, Colin Tolley? Colin Tolley. I love the idea that he's actually listening to this and we're apologizing for <laughs> uh, Mr. I'm so sorry, Enrico. We are so sorry for butchering your name. Really loved you and just shoot me. Really appreciate your work in Veronica Mars. Thank you so much for your patience. Um, he steals the show, too. He does so good. Like, he plays Alien so well. Like, later on in the movie where he says, but why? I'm like, oh no, am I about to, I'm about to get emotional. He was able to be so expressive while Mm -hmm. also like all of the aliens um, or all the Thermians, I guess, uh, how they all played alien. It made, like I was able to appreciate just some of their movement because after it was revealed that they weren't actually human, they were just like, they had like human, um, like, I it's guess like pers- a hologram. Yeah, basically. And just yeah. knowing that they were just moving around like like a squid like alien would. It just mm-hmm. in a human body. I just love that. It's like a small attention to detail. And it never steals the scene, but it just gives you the right amount of information that like, oh, they're alien. And I loved that. I love the way they walk or the the way they run where they have their hands over their knees and they just kinda <laughs> touch their knees. As yeah. They run. <laughs> There were there some kids in my PE class in elementary school that ran like that. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm pretty sure I was one of those kids as well. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, en- Enrico Calantoni is an amazing – he plays Mathazar, who's the leader of the, the Thermians. And, uh, yeah, totally convincing. Um, actually, it's interesting. Do you know why he's able to, to play an alien so convincingly? Why? He's Canadian. He's an actual <laughs> – Alien to the United States. To all of our Canadian listeners, thank you so much uh, for welcoming us into uh, your home. 
and we are so sorry for any offense that we may have given you. We love speak for <laughs> yourself. Uh, yeah, well, because uh, I think a lot of the cast, a lot of the Thurbians, um, they, they are Canadian, right? A lot yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, but in all honesty, no offense to the Canadians. Some, <laughs> uh, some of my some of my best friends are Canadian, so it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We see, you know, the cast and how like they're still kind of reliving the glory days of the show. Like the show's been off the air since like the eighties. Um, and they're just still making the convention circuit and even doing sponsored deals, uh, still trying to live off the fabe. Uh, and mm-hmm. Alan Rickman. Yeah, they don't really have anything new right. that they're doing. Yeah. yeah. And Alan Rickman, I love, loved, loved his character. Like, mm-hmm. he, oh, I, I loved it. It was the perfect, because every, everyone, was relating to the show differently. Um, yeah. You know, Tony Shalhoub, um as Fred Kwan, he was like, meh, I like, he's kind of indifferent. Uh, he's like, yeah, I mean, I'm here. Like, nothing's really bad about it. He's just like, accepts it. Sigourney Weaver, um, as Gwen DeMarco, she's, she has more of an attitude of, well, you know, I mean, I'd like to do this. Uh, I like to do other things, but I don't necessarily hate it, but I like to be doing other things. Um, and Alan Rickman, I used to be an actor. <laughs> they, 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 oh, Richard he, he, III. He goes, so, I was Richard III. Yeah. I was Richard III. I was Richard III. <laughs> he's like, and then Tim Allen, when he grabs him, he's like, I'm leaving and there's nothing that you can say to make me go back. He said, the show must go on. He's like, ah. Cuss you, cuss you, Jason Nesmith, um, and he. I just love like his his bitterness, but his um, love for the craft of acting. I just love it. He was just mm-hmm. he was perfect. He he, I yeah I he was like one of my favorites. Well, and this is a good time to address Alan Rickman, where um, we had already decided that we were going to watch this movie. Mm-hmm. And I actually I split up watching it into two different parts, and I watched uh, the first half of the movie, and then um, the next morning the news came out of the unfortunate passing of Alan Rickman, mm. and then that day finished the rest of the movie, and that was a, a very touching experience to be able to to see that, and and very startling for us being like, well, how do we how do we address this? How do we talk to? Um, in a, a massive career that Alan Rickman has had, and he's really touched audiences in a very special way for decades. And and he's the kind of actor to where uh, he's done so much that you you don't even realize some of the movies he's in. We're like, oh yeah, he was in that. That's the same guy because he he does embody each role so completely. Right, um, yeah. To think that Hans Gruber and Snape are the same person mm-hmm. is just. Yeah, it, it blows you away. So, um, Alan Rickman, tremendous talent, and we're we're definitely sad to see him um, to see him go and to see him pass. But this movie is uh, a tremendous tribute to his comedic sensibilities um, that uh, you don't often get to see, just because he he was such a great dramatic actor. But he is absolutely hilarious in this movie. Oh yeah, 
yeah, I was I was really able to uh, appreciate just his range because like he mm-hmm. is so funny. My first exposure to him was in Dogma uh, when he was the oh voice of God. yes yeah <laughs> and he he has a lot of the same sensibility but he um but again like he plays like i see him as like distinct characters like when he plays them like when he's snape he is snape uh mm-hmm. when he's alexander dane he is alexander dane like he he like has such great fine tuning with his acting and um and it was it was sad um, to hear about his passing and it was, it was great to be able to laugh and to be able to have joy being brought from him even during mm-hmm. the time of his passing. And he, and yeah, he did a really fantastic job. But like, I'm, I'm glad like spot on casting for him. And Oh movie. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think one of his most heartbreaking roles for me to watch though is love actually. Um, him being British, he um, was immediately cast in Love Actually, but uh, <laughs> he plays the the husband who is like flirting with his um, his employee, mm-hmm. and uh, and actually ends up buying the nice necklace for her and giving his wife just kind of a throwaway CD. Um, so heartbreaking, and there, there really isn't a villain in that movie, but. He is definitely one of the less likable characters because of that decision. But the way he plays it, you can see just the struggle back and forth. And a character that could have been very uh, – could have just basically been a caricature of a cheating husband. Right. Um, he makes a very real person. And so it's that range that you're talking about that he can he can play a role like that and then switch over into playing a role like Alexander Dane in Galaxy Quest where it's this – bombastic farce of uh of these kinds of television shows but tremendous yeah. range and, and amazing talent yeah absolutely and uh and he yeah he he did a great job of just like playing because like if you've ever been to conventions um every single one of those actors like all the actor archetypes that they were playing are the different kinds of people that you get to see at different conventions. When I watched the movie and uh, saw the premise of the show, like I get like the premise of everything. I was like, they like, what couldn't Tim Allen do in the nineties? Like what couldn't he do? Like, I thought that that was just perfect. And I love that he was the guy who just was really into it and just like really all about the fans interacting with them and loving it. Um, And then getting really heartbroken by people like, laughing at him you know right um because he thinks it's a party like everyone's on the same page and then whenever he overhears people ragging on it in the bathroom mm-hmm. it really Which, shatters him because that's the world yeah and that was actually uh inspired by a real event that of course uh william shatner experienced at a, a star trek convention in 1966 really that's very sad yeah right yeah, that's very sad. It's only the, the although it's the second saddest movie moment where Tim Allen realizes something about himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first being when he's Buzz Lightyear and he realizes that he's <laughs> actually a toy. All Galaxy Quest is missing is a soundtrack by Randy Newman. <laughs> 
You are an actor. <laughs> oh, I just want to, yeah. now I can't imagine uh, anything other than the opening scene uh, of him like walking through um, with you got a friend in me. Oh no, not this again. You got a friend in me. I was a proper child's plaything at one point. <laughs> Well, and I don't think it's a coincidence. What's Tim Allen's character's name in Galaxy Quest? It's Jason Nesmith, the alter ego oh that Buzz takes gosh. on when he joins the Tease Party, <laughs> is Mrs. Nesbitt. <laughs> oh, yes. That is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, he, he does a great job. And, like, uh, like his, like uh, you see these kinds of archetypes um at conventions, like you have the people who are just really into it and really all about like the big party with the fans. And then you have the people who mm-hmm. are just like, I appreciate the fans, but I am an actor, not my character. Like, or I am right. this person, not my character. And so like he had that little disconnect. Um, but I love mm-hmm. the way it came full round. Cause he hated saying his catchphrase. Uh, no, oh Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because Alexander's quote that he says that he hates saying over and over again is, By Grabthar's hammer, by the sons of Warvan, you shall be avenged. Yeah. Oh, man. And when he refused to say it the entire movie, but when he finally said it, it was like, oh, man, that yeah. this man can act. Like, he just said it with so much... Like it is simple. Oh man, I just loved it. it. Like it gave me chills when he said it. I'm like, oh, way to go. When he <laughs> says it as a very meaningful point, mm-hmm. he says it to a crew member. It's one of the only crew members that actually dies in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of his apprentice, his his unwanted apprentice. Yeah. Through through the movie, um, and it's the the last thing that he says to Quellick. Yeah. Um, but very touching. Oh yeah. This um. Similar to another Alan Rickman film, Die Hard, which takes place at Christmas. This was a Christmas release film. This came out Christmas 1999. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Alan Rickman, the master of hidden Christmas films. (laughs) Love Actually, also a Christmas film. (laughs) There's a Christmas scene in Harry Potter as well. So I think Alan Rickman only does Christmas films. (laughs) If you really look hard enough. Dude, Die Hard? Yes. Yes. Every... Every Alan Rickman film is secretly a Christmas film, uh, which is why you feel so good about them. Perfect. That theory could be shattered instantly. Nope. Nope. I, it is it is watertight. So uh, one of the other things that's like really great in this movie is um, the way that they uh, use practical effects. Like mm-hmm. This movie's practical effects are amazing because th- this was made in 1999, and as we all know, with uh, movies that were made in 1990, like from 1999 to about 2004 or five, people got dumb <laughs> with special effects, and like, well, see- the Matrix really kicked that off too. Oh yeah, uh, up yeah, up the game. But Galaxy Quest coming out the same year as the Matrix, and the effects still hold up, like. So many of them do like, and I think it's because they blended a lot of practical with Mm -hmm. um, CGI. And I thought that was just perfect because like the makeup of uh, all of the, uh, the, the villain uh, alien group. uh, uh, Oh yeah. I think is his name. 
Um, I, I forget what the other people's names were. Oh, Saris. Saris. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Salazar. Who is that? It might be a Futurama uh, I think he reference. was a Colombian drug lord. <laughs> I don't... Uh, yeah, he... <laughs> yeah, he... Uh, like, that was just so good. Just the way that the his whole like suit of armor like moved with like his intensity and like it's just very small details that like make this movie really really solid um Mm -hmm. and i love my favorite moment in the movie uh has to be when tim allen uh with a hangover jumps on the ship and says all right empty uh empty all the blue cannons all the red cannons and uh i think we'll call it a day (laughs) (laughs) it was perfect and um and I, I just loved, I loved that. <laughs> He's like, oh, oh, listen. And then when he comes back, like, hey, listen, my bad. Um, it was a huge misunderstanding. I didn't mean to, like, blow up your ship mm-hmm. or, like, attack your ship. I thought that was perfect. It's interesting because typically in in films you have this moment of debate where the lead character has to make the decision whether or not he's going to jump into this new world. Yeah. And with Tim Allen, he's really just hijacked into it and steps right into the role. Cause he doesn't think it's real. Yeah. So during that whole mo <laughs> that, that period of debate, he's actually having the period of debate and doesn't even realize it yep. because he's, he's launching cannons. So when he goes back and realizes that it is real, he's immediately on board. Yeah. He goes, Oh, this is real. Okay. And so the moment of debate is then shifted to the rest of the crew and he has mm-hmm. to convince them to stay. Um, so very interesting dynamic because for the most part, this follows traditional beats, yeah. but they're able to twist it just enough to where it doesn't feel formulaic. Yeah. And I, I love like how different people responded. Like again, like it just fits, it points back to how the characters are really strongly written. Like everyone's resistance is for something else. Like, um, mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver's character, she's like, listen, we aren't these people. She's very, uh, she's very much like the moral compass, um, and, and, or like, kind of like the straight man, uh, and the, and throughout the whole movie, because she's like, listen, we aren't these people. We're going to get them in trouble. We need to go back home. And Tim Allen's mm-hmm. like, Hey, come on. It's just another big party. Who's more qualified than us? They base this all around us. Why not give this a try? Because it allows him to see it in a in a new light. He's like, "Hey, listen! This allows us to actually be the heroes that we get to play and get to be seen as by all these other people." Because and I love how all the technology was based off of um, the characters' motions and movements. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. Like. That's br- I would love if that could actually happen in real life. Oh, based off of this guy, like moving things like this, let's program something so that it does that. <laughs> He's like, well, I never did it the same way twice. <laughs> yeah. No, it, and thematically, that's very empowering that they actually have to remember back to who they were and how they acted in those roles uh, at the heyday of yeah. their career. And for a lot of them, that like those were the golden years. And so they have to return to those golden years in order to like succeed. And I, I think that's very empowering for them. Oh, totally. Uh, like you, you mentioned the, the motions, like Tommy Weber has to fly like he did when he was a kid. Like yeah. he has to return to that mindset. <laughs> my favorite, uh, my favorite moment. Oh, like, okay. What was his character's name? 
it was just like, oh, Tommy, how you have grown. Mouth, <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, uh, Tommy, which is another great grown? trope of the of the sci-fi shows where you have a child actor that is then grown and still living off that childhood fame, kind of in the Will Wheaton vein. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, while, while you mention Will Wheaton, fun fact: his review of the movie is my only problem with the movie is that I wasn't in it. It's always the best review. <laughs> that's also my main problem with the movie. Yeah, severe lack of us being in the movie. The uh, <laughs> I would have loved to be Justin Long's character or any of his friends because. Man, he he did a great job. I'm glad that he played like a stronger role in the movie because at first I thought it was just going to be like a random back get, background character. I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. Justin Long just like shows up in this movie, but then he like plays that pivotal role as like someone who has like the whole schematics of the ship. Like, yeah, the the, the yeah. Trekkie basically that's yep. able to know everything, knows more about it than the actors did. Mm-hmm. Um, and really st- strong writing to bookend that character. You see him at the convention at the beginning, and then he ends up being like the guy that saves them at the end. And uh, to throw in these setups and payoffs along the way, because he actually has the communicator that gets switched with yes. Tim Allen at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And typically you see that switch and you're like, oh, this is going to cause problems later on. Right. Uh, this is like, we've seen this before, but it ends up actually being the solution a good hour later. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time you've forgotten about it. Uh, so really strong writing, good choices there. I also believe that this was the last time Justin Long, uh, was contractually allowed to use a PC on screen, <laughs> uh, before he became the Apple guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he, my headcanon about Justin Long's career uh, is that uh, Steve Jobs saw this movie and said, I like the cut of that guy's jib. <laughs> and it was just nothing but oh, Apple commercials yeah. from there. Like, the whole movie just was so fun. Like, because they, they play along a lot. And, and, I, mm-hmm. and they played along really, really well. Like, that whole scene with... <laughs> Uh, with the uh, Tommy Weber uh, <laughs> scraping the ship, <laughs> just <laughs> and it just like went on for so long. I was like, "This is perfect! Like this, of course he'd be doing this. This is amazing." Um, First time to ever fly a spaceship. Yeah, yeah. and then um, them going uh, on the trip. So like they they reconflict the aliens. They take. Um, a massive beating through like some uh, asteroid belt with uh, like landmines, space mines. Oh, the minefield. Yeah, the minefield. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go on a search for beryllium spheres. Like it felt like there are just so many different layers of uh, art imitating life, imitating art, imitating life. It's just like it yeah. felt like a Star Trek episode. Like, like oh well. We we need to go search for a power cell. We get stranded on an on an unknown planet, get attacked by inhabitants, and then we have to go back out to power up and fight uh, off our nemesis. And it's just like yes, like this. I love this. I love everything that's yeah. happening. Um, when I rewatched it, I watched this movie with my wife Jewel, who loves Galaxy Quest, and she knows. So much more about Star Trek than I ever will. Um, But she brought up a good point when they were saying that they have to go look for the beryllium spheres. 
in the show they had the beryllium spheres they had to go find them for the energy source on this other planet mm-hmm. how did the writers of the show know that beryllium spheres were an actual thing and what they looked like because they really exist so like how wait what cuz in the show in galaxy quest the show in that universe beryllium yeah. spheres they look like that like they're spherical that they have the pods on them hilarious. when they go to pick them up on the planet they're the exact same thing so how did the television writers know that on another planet there's an energy source that looks exactly like this oh that is so funny you know what i bet you anything or i mean that's funny i, I my my only justification for it is that like, that's not what they're really called and that they just call them Beryllium Spheres, but they just so happen to also be a power source. But that's also... It's like- just whatever the power source is, yeah. Or that one of one of the uh, the Thermians actually lives on Earth. They were one of the, the refugees whenever the planet was destroyed. Yes. And they took up a job as the original writer of Galaxy Quest based on their own experiences. Yes. Uh, so that's why everything is so accurate and actually fits into the Thermian world. We haven't gone into the headcanon section yet, but that's how we're going to justify that plot hole. Boom. <laughs> yes. We should have a new segment called Plot Holes. I think that would be uh, yeah. that would be fun. I'm down. We're going to patch patch some plot holes. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll work on that. We'll Perfect. work on that. <laughs> yeah. And um and so the yeah, and so I think like one of the most heartfelt moments in the movie is when um the I'm going to call him Salazar. That's from another franchise. Someone's going to let me know about it. <laughs> um sorry, Saris. Uh, Saris, he, uh, when Saris, um, aboards the ship and then they are about to, uh, they're about to kill or they're torturing, um, what, what's his name now? Mathazar. Mathazar. <laughs> Salzar, Mathazar. Uh, maybe that's <laughs> why. Um, Math, they're torturing Mathazar. And so he comes clean, like Tim Allen's character comes clean and it's such a heartbreaking scene, like to see him get told to. He's like, explain it to him like he's a child. He's like, we lied. He's like, what? What? What do you mean? I'm like, oh no, like no, don't, don't do this, don't. Yeah. Like it's such a heartbreaking scene. And yeah, and when Tim Allen says, "I am sorry, I am so sorry." I think that is one of the best delivered lines I've ever seen from Tim Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I love Tim Allen. Uh, and so it's uh, oh, it's heartbreaking. And it's it's what we were talking about where you see the switch, this being the, uh, the dark night of the soul moment when everything is falling apart. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of railing against Saris, which he is still the immediate threat – he makes the point and says, you have done far more damage than I ever could. Yeah. Like, oh, my goodness. He's right. Mm-hmm. Great to see that amount of heart in a comedy, in, like, an action mm-hmm. comedy, because, like, there was a cost to this. Like, there was a cost to them, you know, playing playing the game and playing these characters as real for them and not actually letting them know that, like, hey, listen, we're... We're not the people who you think we are, but to have them immediately turn around and actually like step in and step up, 
I think they became the heroes they needed to be for themselves. Put it on a plaque. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, uh, But it's, it's something in, in modern comedies that it, we're starting to lose. And I, I think it's at the detriment of modern comedies where um, – actually build in character secrets into into comedies don't just have it be on the face and everything's accepted because it's what you're seeing right um it's same kind of deal that we talked about with planes trains and automobiles how john candy's character has this secret the entire time Mm -hmm. um and when it's revealed at the end that okay he is actually you know, a, a widower or or separated from his wife, whatever the situation is, that the holidays are not a happy time for him. Yeah, you're able to have a very heartfelt moment in the midst of the comedy, which that juxtaposition actually highlights and heightens the comedy to a a, a greater level. So that whenever this happens in Galaxy Quest, and we have this very sad moment, this moment of realization where all the secrets are exposed. You're able to build from that and actually have a really funny and exciting action scene uh, to conclude the entire movie. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that you get you you really get a lot of like we say uh, you know it's, you get a lot of save the cat moments with these characters mm-hmm. because like you you're kind of like on their side because you know that their intentions are good, but you also know about the lie that they're telling. Uh, and, you know, Sigourney Re- Weaver's character, she really does just root for honesty for most of the time. But she's also mm-hmm. very much a team player. So, like, she, like, everyone is just as guilty. She has a secret as well. Like, everyone is everyone is concealing a secret and everyone has uh, risk involved, even though it seems like everyone's just kind of, like, it appears that everyone's just like along the ride for Tim Allen, but like when Tony Shalhoub's character has to get called back and like actually not be as passive of a player that he has been, he comes clean. He's like, listen, I'm not that guy. I can't do this at the other, but then Tim Allen has to make these relationships stick and he has to be honest and like, listen, man, you've, you've never missed a line. You've never missed a cue. You've got this. Um, and like all those different secrets for different for all the characters um definitely add to the story being more fleshed out because you have different causes and effects because Tony Shalhoub can or his character can play along because he's fat, passive and he's along for the ride uh for the most part but when risk is involved he has to like come clean he's like well actually like I just play along because like I'm along for the ride but like I'm not this person and then he sees he falls in love with this girl um and all these other things like all these characters get to be called forth to be more than what they uh kind of settled for i think with the um i think one of my favorite things that they do in the movie is um like the 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 moment of redemption like towards the end mm-hmm. like when they actually do beat um bad guy mid badston saris saris um they actually defeat saris like that whole final scene of them like calling justin long and going through the ship did you notice something about that sequence though whenever they have the chompers that oh are gosh. going back and forth and you tim better, allen and sigourney weaver you better did you notice I something did. about the the lip dubbing yep 
it was definitely edited down because originally the movie got rated R rating. Um, initially. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. But, um, and the producer, um, Lindsay Collins and Sigourney Reaver, before being recut, um, according to those two, it was originally R before being recut. Um, and there wasn't necessarily a darker uh, version of the movie, uh, but there were definite times when um, lines like, well, screw that was dubbed over. <laughs> Yes. For okay. Other things, and I was like, "Wait a second. Like it was so obvious because like they didn't even do like a like from behind her saying the line. Um, yeah, or like an Arrested Development cover it with a mug yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, no, she very very clearly said other things. Oh, um, making sure I'm not crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that whole line, just like, why would you put this? At, like, why would you just have these chompers in the? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't do anything. The writers of this show. They like, it was in the show, so they put it on the ship. I love that so much. I and speaking of Gwen, like we also haven't given Sigourney Weaver a lot of uh love so far. She did an amazing job. Like she, she did. She addressed like how poorly her character was written. She's just like, I just mm-hmm. repeated the computer. I have one job and I'm gonna do it. I love that. Like she <laughs> she's like, Yeah, the <laughs> my character wasn't written that well. I was just there and no one actually writes about my character or anything else. They just talk about my body. And she yeah. and she just addressed it really well and then uh <laughs> she gets into that scene, she says what is this thing? I mean, it serves no useful purpose for there to be a bunch of chompy, crushy things in the middle of this hallway. <laughs> no, I mean, we shouldn't have to do this. This makes no logical sense. Why is this here? Because <laughs> it was on the show. Well, forget it. I'm not doing it. This episode was badly written. <laughs> like, oh, I, I think that that's like one of the best lines in the entire movie. It serves no useful purpose. Like, I, I'm glad that she was able to get that line. And she was playing this role and you know she I, we typically know her for like her role in alien or aliens right. or um and one of my favorites uh aliens is a musical and we know her <laughs> from these things uh as like a very serious um and very intense actor uh and <laughs> as Gwen DeMarco she was just fantastic like there are so many comedic characters uh and moments for everyone to have and to have them get like a huge laugh like um <laughs> tony shaloub's like hey uh are, you think those are the miners yeah they can't be uh more than three <laughs> no miners not miners uh, i'm not getting you <laughs> yeah <laughs> what a great yeah everyone had a moment to shine yeah um, and, and even I, sam rockwell who, oh man, we also haven't talked a lot about. Yeah, he just played an extra on the original series, yep. and then he's a guy that wanted to be part of the main cast, and then instantly regrets it. Yeah, when he realizes he's the guy that's probably going to die first. Yeah, he's like, "No, I'm the red shirt. I'm here to die yeah. to let everyone know that this is serious." <laughs> oh yeah, it was. They just yeah, everyone had a great moment to shine and um, and to be redeemed really well, like guy like actually pulled everything together and was able to help out. It was great. The casting is interesting too, because um, you mentioned how Sigourney Weaver was part of the alien series or a, a couple of other cast members who are closely tied to space films. 
as well. We talked about Tim Allen being Buzz Lightyear. He was kind of already that idea that he was a space commander. Uh, and then Sigourney Weaver with uh, Alien series. And uh, Sam Rockwell, after Galaxy Quest, Moon. did Moon. Yeah. Yeah, which if you haven't seen Moon, just hunker Stop. down yeah. and, and barrel through it because it's really, it's really a fantastic film. And it's it's only Sam Rockwell, basically. Yeah. Uh, just the whole time on a spaceship. Oh, um, and um, Alan Rickman. From Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, yes. Oh, man. I completely forgot about that one, too. Yes. And uh, Tony Shalhoub as Monk just wants his space. <laughs> so that's kind of the same. Don't crowd him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and Rain Wilson from The Office, who played uh, one of the Thermians, uh, is a massive... Uh, Battlestar Galactica fan as uh-huh. Dwight Schrute. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, Daryl Mitchell was, uh, he was in several movies. Uh, he was actually in 10 Things I Hate About You, which was a movie about um, Tammy of the Shrew, which we all know is um, Shakespearean for space t- story. All right, I didn't um, stretch before I started all this reaching, so maybe we should stop there. Okay, fair enough. He was in yeah. a movie called 13 Moons. That's all I there got. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> we oh, should do <laughs> – eventually we should do a thing where we try to connect actors in their current movie to another movie that they've been in thematically. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's like, oh, it all makes sense. It's a segment we call typecasting. Yeah. Writing it down. Yeah. yeah. And then the movie ends on a really great note by coming full circle how we started the movie by seeing the original series. But the conclusion of the film is the relaunch of the new Galaxy Quest adventures. Yeah. Um, where they're able to bring the whole cast back. And actually, Missy Pyle, who played uh, uh, Laliari, one of the Thermians that uh, Tony Shalhoub fell in love with, um, she actually joins the cast and stays on Earth. And Sam Rockwell joins the cast um, as uh, actually having a name now, uh, and he's their security officer. And so uh, that really rounds out the cast for these new adventures, and they're able to not dwell in the past, but actually revisit these roles uh, for a new generation, which is another thing that fits in with the world of uh, Star Trek and the sci-fi shows that they do get these reboots and uh, the fandom is so loyal that it goes on for several different incarnations. And so it's a really great way to bookend the film and uh, just a happy ending all around. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, our imitating life, um, August of last year, it was announced that Amazon Studios um, is going to actually develop a Galaxy Quest series. Shut up. Yeah. Are you serious? I am so serious. So they talked about it uh, for a while, like or a while. Um, in 2014, um, they started talking about, like, could we mayhaps make a Galaxy Quest TV show? And then uh, Paramount Television... Um, and co-writer Gordon um, announced that they were looking to develop a te- television series based on Galaxy Quest. Uh, and then mm. Amazon Studios of last year uh, said that 
they will be developing a series. So I don't know what they'll be doing with it exactly. I would love for yeah. it to be animated. Um, hmm. uh, I been... think that would help to get around the the recasting of Alan Rickman. Yeah. I, I think um, it could be done in like um, almost Scooby-Doo style uh, classic, uh, that, that kind of classic, uh, like space epic. Um, I like that, but I could also see it be done um, with a... A new cast, or it could just be like a like the, what they did with uh, the Star Trek reboot, the movie reboot, like just doing younger mm-hmm. versions of all the cast. Oh members. yeah, that's interesting too. I think the animated angle uh, actually fits in really well with the progression of how Star Trek went because you had the original series, and then the original series was adapted into an animated show. Um, so there is really? precedent for it. Yeah, well, that makes it's a lot on of Netflix. Sense. Yeah. What? Oh, mm-hmm. I know what I'm doing today. Star Trek the Animated Series. <laughs> yeah, and so now all that's left is for that series to become successful and then for it to get launched out into space <laughs> and then then have the animated characters or whoever gets recasted to be abducted. And then um, the full circle will be complete. Oh, last thing uh, before we uh, finish up the uh, review is uh, Omega-13 Protocol. I loved oh, that yeah. they went with the idea that the fans were right about what the Omega-13 Protocol was. Like, Yeah, it's I, a little time travel device. Yeah, that was so fun because, like you said before, how these writers actually said, okay, okay, so this thing called Omega-13 and they just write it out and then they actually manifest it in space. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys, like... Someone needs to let these writers know, how did you know these things? And we need to get you to space. <laughs> like we need Yeah, because keep- it makes sense that the Thermians would construct the spaceship how it looked on the show. But they didn't know what the Omega-13 did. It, yeah. was a, it was a bomb that they – or they assumed it was a bomb. It was a weapon that they had come across. Yeah. And, oh, man. Yeah. The countdown yeah. moment. <laughs> <laughs> when the bomb was it always counting down, at one. it always stops at one on the show. I'm like, I just, I just stood up and applauded the movie. I'm just like, you <laughs> did it, movie. You did it. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, like it, the 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 show actually did work in their favor. I like that. I like that as a moment. Okay, and so that is uh, basically our review uh, of the movie. And now we're going to get into uh, one of our favorite parts of the show where we go into the head canon, where we come up with unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the movie. We already talked about some of this before. Um, and one of which being uh, how the technology actually does work in space. Mm-hmm. Um, how uh, <laughs> like someone, like I think the writers either, are like one of them has to be Thermian or um, yeah of a space traveler. He he's just like I think I like to think that one of the writers is just like an old retired uh, alien from space. Like think like think Superman. Like Superman came to Earth from Krypton, except he came to Earth to like retire, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Uh, or he's like the third doctor where he can't really leave and so he just gets a job here. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. He just like hangs out. I was like, well, what if we wrote this space adventure? <laughs> that that's my that's my headcanon for like how a lot of the things in the show actually work and how oh, well, there's a beryllium sphere. <laughs> my headcanon would be that this is actually an episode of Galaxy Quest. There are uh like on Star Trek Voyager, there's an episode where uh... one of the crewmates wakes up on Earth and they can't figure out like how they got on Earth. They're telling everybody I'm supposed to be on a spaceship right now and nobody believes him and uh and they're like, No, sorry, Harry, like Voyager's gone. Like you've always been here and it's kind of an alternate universe episode. Mm. Um whereas this would be an alternate universe episode of uh Galaxy Quest where all of the the crew are meant to believe that they are actually actors. Like the there's some antagonist that has made them believe that they are not the crew, so that they can kind of take over the ship. Because if the crew believes that they aren't the crew, then the, basically they're able to just walk in and, and take over their uh, their craft. So um, that's my head cannon. It doesn't really hold up with the whole convention <laughs> scenes, uh, but that the whole middle part of the movie is actually part of the Galaxy Quest show. Nice. Or, um, okay, so one of my other pieces of headcanon um, is that when they came back, because, or this is this something that I wanted to happen, actually, is that when he said, um, oh, we don't have a captain, he's like, oh, I think we have a great captain, and it was Malazar, right? What I was mm. hoping they would do is say, well, I know someone who would be a great captain of the ship, because... Um, evil Mick Celery um, said that, like, you mean to tell me that the captain doesn't know every um, inch of his ship? I'm just like, oh, are they going to, like, recruit Justin Long to be, like, the new captain and actually have him live out his wildest dreams? Um, Because he actually does know everything about the show. And so... Mm -hmm. I thought that they were going to have him be the new captain. Um, we can just transition into into that. Hard transition. Sequel or remakes. I think a great remake would be they come back down to Earth um, and they say, hey, we need your help. And, um, and Tim Allen's like, well, listen, I can't. I'm like, b- basically, it's the hook uh, moment. So it's, I can't go with you, Peter. I'm too old. Uh, kind of thing. I think that he's like, hey, listen, I can't do this, but I know someone who can. And then Justin Long becomes the new captain of the, uh, not the Starship Enterprise, uh, <laughs> but on the uh, NSEA Protector. Uh, he becomes a new oh, captain the of the Protector. Yeah. And, uh, and he goes on all the different space adventures because he already does like know all these different things about the show. That'd be awesome. His parents would be infuriated, but yeah. <laughs> I think uh, for whatever this series is going to be for the Galaxy Quest um, Amazon series or Mm -hmm. however they're developing it, I think it would be fantastic to have Justin Long be the showrunner where he grew up to become like the head writer for the show. Yeah. um, He knows every episode. Mm -hmm. That would be really fun. That'd be great. That'd be fun. The only thing I want them to do is just switch out the franchises Um, because Galaxy Mm -hmm. Quest is very much a love letter to Star Trek. Um, yeah. and for me, I wanted nothing more than for them to do the exact same thing, but with, um, superhero movies starring, oh. instead of Tim Allen, we have Robert Downey Jr. 
That's great. And it's basically like people yeah. who do like the big superhero movies. And so you have Robert Downey Jr. kind of reprising his role as like a superhero, like Iron Man. Like he played mm-hmm. Iron Man in all these movies. And then it's the same premise uh, except for in another galaxy, they say, "Oh, we gra- we found Earth's mightiest heroes: Chris Hemsworth, um, <laughs> uh, Mark Ruffalo, and uh, like all these people, just like yeah. and Nick Fury, Chris <laughs> Samuel Adams L. Jackson. And, like, yeah. I want them to like pull these people out and like actually have them become like a superhero super team." Uh, and I, I just think that you can just swap out their franchise, like whenever there's like a huge fandom, like. Like, if they did the same thing, but with Doctor Who. Um, yeah. And it's like, hey, there's a mystery that needs to be solved. And I know one person. They pull out David Tennant from, like, another universe. He's like, I'm an right. actor. I don't. Well, he's Scottish. So like, I'm an actor. That's, sorry. That's my best uh, <laughs> Scottish <laughs> accent. Um, it's spot on David Tennant impression. Uh, but, yeah, I think that that would be super fun as, like, remakes. Like, it, they would be slightly different. Um, but with different actors. So now we're going to go into the point of the show where we uh, give our reasons to recommend um, Grayson. I'd say if you're a fan of the Star Trek series um, or sci-fi shows like that where you know all of the the tropes to it, definitely check out Galaxy Quest because uh, it plays into a lot of those. If you're not a fan of it, um, it's still just a fun action movie, Um, and you don't need to have all that backstory. definitely enriches it for sure, but... It's genuinely funny. Um, it's not just a parody movie. It is. It's standalone in in the the construction of it because the characters um, are independently motivated. They uh, have opinions and um, different ways of going about things, different tactics for achieving their goals. It's very dynamic, mm-hmm. um, and it it's a movie that could have been very surface level. Oh yeah, but chose to take risks and actually dig in deep into the story. So um, I would recommend it just from a storytelling perspective alone. I think it's a tight script. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd rec- I'd recommend this movie for a lot of reasons. Um, I, I want to add in just like, I think it's a great tribute to Alan Rickman and just mm-hmm. our, our connection to actors and celebrities. Like this movie points out, like the, the actors are playing actors who have played roles and i know what we do um as a society with a lot of celebrities is that we we see them as their characters um and i think the reason why is because a these characters give us this gateway into these different worlds and stories that help us to deal with like normal everyday life like i can't tell you how many times like i've seen a tv show like i asked out my first girlfriend uh, my first serious girlfriend, uh, because of a cartoon show, <laughs> like a cartoon where the characters were friends. And then when the guy asked the girl out, and I was like, Oh man, I can do that. And like, I, I did that. I did that. And, um, <laughs> I feel like these, the way that this, um, movie portrays the relationships between fans of shows with the actors and the actors relationship to not only the material, but also the fans it 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 shows that like the impact that they make is so strong that it becomes real to people uh not necessarily to the effect of you know planning your whole uh evasion with another uh, space uh colony <laughs> uh yeah not necessarily to that degree but like the relationships like the character who's told Alan Rickman's character he said you were like a father to me 
just from watching the shows. Like we have those kinds of deep relationships with these actors. Um, and I actually recommend we'll link in our show notes, a uh, video to uh, nerd sinks video talking about parasocial relationships, which is basically the relationships that people have with other people that they don't know. Like the relationship that we have with Alan Rickman, for example, like we don't, know him personally or at least some of us don't know him personally but mm. we, we do have more or less of like a one-sided relationship and he doesn't know us personally but we know things about him and we've made relationships to him through the things that he's contributed to us and the deep lasting relationships that's why we mourn when um, there's loss or when they pass away it's because their contributions not only to the work um, but to our lives through their work is long lasting and it's, uh, it's deep, it's personal and it's, uh, it's, it's great. And I, I think the movie does a good job, um, at just showing how, um, how we as, uh, a fan or fandom or as a community of people who enjoy the media that these actors breathe life into, uh, can be deeply affected, uh, by it. And I think I, th that's one of the main reasons I'll recommend the movie. It's like a great mm. fandom movie. It talks, it's a great fan letter to fandoms of movies and it celebrates the shows and the, and like everyone who contributes to the shows, um, in a great, great way. So, that's why I'd recommend it. Absolutely. That's beautiful. So that is our review of Galaxy Quest. Uh, let us know what you thought uh, here on Twitter. Uh, we are at Flashback Flicks. Um, and there we'll also be sharing uh, some other uh, fun media, including the original trailer um, and other fun facts throughout the week. So be sure to follow us over there. And, um, and let us know what you thought of this review of Galaxy Quest on iTunes. Um, you can, if you're listening on your phone, uh, you can hit the review on the show thing. I'm going to do, uh, we have more info on our Twitter. If you'd like a walkthrough on that, um, and be sure to tune in next time where we silently mouth the words of Bohemian Rhapsody <laughs> with the amazing, excellent movie, Wayne's World. Party time. Party. Excellent. Excellent. And the movie is on Netflix, so uh, be sure to watch so you can be a part of the conversation. And uh, we are really looking forward to it. Thanks again for listening to the Flashback Flicks podcast. And remember to be kind and rewind. Rewind.